As we've spent the last month in the Psalms, I attempted to highlight truths of who God is and what that means for us as we studied each of these Psalms. Uh, We saw that God is the God of faithful love, saw that God was the God of hope, uh, that God is the God that we can trust, God is the God that we can know because he has revealed himself. And God is the God who forgives us and restores us. And so we pick up the theme of deliverance today. Uh, Again, we looked at this when we looked at Psalm 13, uh, God's deliverance and trusting the God who delivers. Uh, But this one specifically points ahead in a way that we're going to examine that theme again because it's pointing ahead to uh, the salvation and deliverance that God has accomplished. Today's psalm is a psalm of praise that looks back on a time when David was rescued by God. He, there was a threat to him. And he cries out to the Lord and the Lord responds and and rescues him. And in that, we're going to see him praising God for the rescue that has been accomplished. We're going to see him inviting others into uh, that praise, uh, inviting others into experiencing this. Him saying, like, this, I've experienced this from God and I want you to have it as well. And then it's also looking ahead at the assurance that God is a God who rescues his people. And we can know for sure that he is, he is going to rescue us. So turn with me to Psalm 34. Our sermon is titled, The Lord Who Rescues. Psalm 34, I'll read the text. Concerning David, when he pretended to be insane in the presence of Abimelech, who drove him out and he departed. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. And rescued me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear and who fear him and rescues them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him. You who are his holy ones, fear the Lord. For those who fear him lack nothing. Young lions lack food and hungry, but those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. Come, children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is someone who desires life, loving a long life? To enjoy what is good, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. Turn away from evil and do what is good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry for help. The face of the Lord is set against those who do what is evil to remove all memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out. And the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. 
The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. One who is righteous has many adversities, but the Lord rescues him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil brings death to the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. The Lord redeems the life of his servants, and all who take refuge in him will not be punished. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it reveals to us about you and what it instructs us about how we should live in response to that. Open our eyes to the truth today, Holy Spirit, and give us a heart of obedience, a heart that responds. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So the central truth for us today is that God will rescue his people. God will rescue his people. Now David wrote this psalm in a specific instance, a specific time that God rescued him from danger. But this is true for all of God's children, that the Lord is a God who rescues us and God will rescue us. Now, it's ultimately fulfilled for us. So we do speak of those terms of him uh, rescuing us in hard times. He does still act miraculously on our behalf to bring us out of terrible situations. But it's ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ and the rescue that Jesus has accomplished for us. I often use that language about Jesus. We, you probably remember I used it a lot when we studied Luke over the last year and a half. That God was, that Jesus was on a rescue mission, right? That's what he came for, was to seek out and save the lost, to rescue us. So for Christians today, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, if you've put your faith in Christ, this song is our song. This song of praise to God for what He has done and the deliverance that has been accomplished can be our song too and should be our song too because God has rescued us. And so there's uh, what we see here and what David does for us here is a good model for how we should speak of what the Lord has done and how we should invite others to experience that as well. So the first point I want us to see in this is the Lord who rescues is worthy of praise from his people. The Lord who rescues is worthy of praise from his people. We've seen that often, that that's the appropriate response. If you've been brought out of the darkness into the light, like that Peter passage uh, that I mentioned during communion, uh, if you were not a chosen person, or I mean, if you were not a person of mercy who has now received mercy because of Jesus Christ, the appropriate response is a response of praise. And so the Lord who rescues is worthy of praise from his people. Let's look at these first seven verses. It does seem fitting. It actually was not planned. It's very fitting that we're examining this psalm, Psalm 34, on Sunday when we take communion. Because we are remembering the deliverance that the Lord has given us. 
Psalm 34, verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and rescued me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. The Lord who rescues is worthy of praise from his people. And so we see that in those first three verses is David's commitment to praise. Remember, he's been rescued from this threat to his life. The, the context of this is given in the, the little kind of subheading for the psalm. Uh, this is a story that's recorded in 1 Samuel. And so... In 1 Samuel, we learn of David being on the run from King Saul. Saul wants to destroy him. And in this story, uh, David ends up going and hiding out in one of the Philistine towns. And it ends up being the town where Goliath was from. Remember, Goliath was the hero, the giant that David slayed. And so David is hiding out in this town and the people realize that he's there. He's actually carrying Goliath's sword. A, a priest had given it to him. And so a insult to the people of the town that the man who killed their hero is now hiding amongst them. And David realizes not only does he have a threat from uh, king Saul, his own king, he has a threat on his life because these people, he's in their territory. And so David ends up pretending to be insane in the presence of their king. And the king responds like, I don't need another madman here. Like, I have enough of my own. Send him out away from me. And so the Lord ended up saving him where this man could have easily taken David's life. But God saved him. And so David, that's the reason for his praise. He cried out to God and God rescued him out of this threat to his life. And so he says, I'm going to praise the Lord. Right? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. For those of us who have trusted in Christ, that should be our words. I'm going to always praise the Lord. My life will be a praise to God because He has rescued me. I will boast in the Lord, giving that language of like, I'm going to brag on how good God is. How that God is a God who rescues. And then in the end of verse 2, he says, the humble will hear and be glad. There's going to be other people who hear what God has done for me. And it's going to produce joy in them to know that God is a God who rescues. God is a God who cares about his people. I remember when I studied Psalms, the Psalms in seminary, one of my professors, Dr. Allen, he talked about how 
the Psalms, when you think of biblical praise, the idea of what praise actually is, it says biblical praise always had two components to it in Scripture. It was always vocal, and it was always in the presence of other people. Praise was never intended to be just something between you and God. It was intended for others to hear. This is who our God is. This is what God has done for me. And that's why we gather on Sundays and sing. That's why our lives should be lives of praise and we should spend time with brothers and sisters in Christ is to encourage each other and remind each other, look at what God has done. Look at how God is working in my life. David invites the singer, he invites the reader into this with him. Look at verse 3. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt His name together. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt His name together. I love that verse. I've loved it for years. Sarah Grace and I have used that verse as, a, as an encouragement to one another. Like That should be our commitment. But that should be the commitment of the people of God. I would love for that to be painted outside those doors. Just on the other side of that wall, I love the ESV translation. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. That should be what we think about when we come together on Sunday morning. We're here to magnify the Lord. We're here to talk about how great our God is. We're here to exalt His name. To point to how good God is. There was a tribe of people living, a remote tribe of people living in India who uh, had an infection that was spreading in the, the, uh, throughout the tribe and many people were losing their eyesight. And a doctor who visited determined what was going on and it was actually very treatable and he was able to treat the infection and lots of people's eyesight started to be restored. And the doctor, as he was leaving, noticed something very interesting about their language. They did not have a word that was a direct correlation to thank you. They had a statement, but they didn't have a word that was just a, a direct thank you. But they all kept saying this one thing to him. I will tell your name. I will tell your name, meaning I'm going to make sure other people know what you've done for me. I'm going to make sure that everyone here knows how good you are, that you did this for me. And that kind of captures this idea of biblical praise. That captures what David is one committing to and inviting us into. We're going to tell each other about how great our God is. We're going to declare to one another, look what my God did for me. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. In verses 4-7, through David now switches. He's committing to praise, inviting people to join him in that praise, and now he's going to switch to giving a testimony. This is why I'm praising. This is why... I sought the Lord and He answered me. He rescued me from all my fears. 
right? We, we offer praise because God is a God who hears us. God is a God who rescues us. And so over and over again, we see that language there that God has rescued him. Verse 6, he says, this poor man cried. I cried and God heard me. I cried and the Lord saved me. He rescued me from all the fears that I was facing. And that is true for all people who've trusted in the Lord. That God is a God who hears us and he rescues us. And he's accomplished that through Jesus Christ. And so we have that promise that the Lord rescues his people. And we can cry out to him for help when we face a threat in our life, when we feel overwhelmed by circumstances in our life, and know that he hears and he cares and he responds. But ultimately, we also know this is what he's done for us in Jesus. He has rescued us, and so we should be a people of praise. He deserves praise. Peter speaks like that. In 1 Peter, we read these words. In reflecting on what, Je- what God has accomplished through Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Peter, in contemplating the rescue that God has, has accomplished in Jesus Christ, responds with, Blessed be God. Praise be to God for what He's done for us in Jesus Christ. So let's remember the time... God is rescued. Let's remember that God is a God who rescues, who brings us out of darkness and rescues us out of terrifying situations. Let's remember the rescue that we've received in Jesus Christ. And as we remember these, let's be a people of praise, a people who are constantly praising God. He rescued me. He saved me. Because God is a God who rescues and He is worthy of praise from us. The second truth that we see here, the Lord who rescues is always good to His people. The Lord who rescues is always good to His people. Verses 8 through 14, back in Psalm 34. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in Him. You who are His holy ones fear the Lord. For those who fear Him lack nothing. Young lions lack food and go hungry. But those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. Come children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is someone who desires life, loving a long life to enjoy what is good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. Turn away from evil and do what is good. Seek peace and pursue it. The Lord who rescues is always good to his people. And so David, knowing this about God, 
that God is a God who is good to His people, who always rescues His people. He wants others to experience it. He doesn't want to just hold on to it for Himself. He wants others to know the goodness of God, to actually be able to experience the goodness of God and the rescue that God has for them. So I love verse 8. That's one that you probably are familiar with. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. Just come and experience the goodness of God because He is so good. Think of the best meal you've ever had. Right? If you've gone on like a fancy date with someone or something, you've got the best meal that you've ever had. You're normally there and you say, oh, you've got to try this. This is unbelievable. This is the most amazing thing I've ever had in, I've put in my mouth. I want you to experience this. David uses that kind of language to talk about the desire for others to experience God. Would you just taste His goodness? Would you just experience His goodness? He is so good to His people. And so come to Him. Seek Him. Look for refuge in Him and you will experience the goodness of God. He's inviting others in. And that should be our response too. Is if we have been forgiven, if we are a people who have experienced God's grace and mercy, we should want others to experience it too. Come to Him. Come experience this goodness. Come experience the rescue that is available. In verse 10, to try to give an image of God's goodness and care for His people, He says, you know, there are young lions will go hungry. So think of like top of the food chain, the most powerful in the food chain, the strong young lions, even they go hungry. But the people who have come to the Lord, they will always experience the Lord's goodness. That doesn't mean, and we'll see this in the next section, that does not mean that we won't walk through hard times. That doesn't mean that we won't experience heartbreak, that we won't experience all kinds of crushing things, but we're always experiencing the goodness of God, right? And so he goes on in verse 11 through 14 to express, this is how you can experience it. You experience it by coming to the Lord, trusting in Him, and then living out a life of obedience to Him. He picks up the language of fearing the Lord. Have such reverence and fear and awe of who God is and the rescue that He's provided that you now want to live your life for Him. He says that's what fearing the Lord is. It is living obediently to God. Keep your tongue from evil. Keep your lips from deceitful speech. Turn away from evil and do what is good. Now, it's important we don't think that we're earning God's goodness. Like, oh, I did enough good things this week, so God's going to bless me. That's not what he's talking about. But he's saying if you have truly trusted in the Lord, if you've truly come to him for your rescue, the appropriate response is a response of, I want to, for the God who's rescued me, the God who has saved me, out of all the darkness that I was in, I want to honor Him with my life. He says, that's how you experience the goodness of God. 
is truly to show that you've come and trusted in him. And he is always good to his people. Right? How happy is the one who takes refuge in him. He produces joy in us. We lack nothing of God's goodness if we seek him. Romans 8.28 helps us with that. Written in talking about the heartaches of this world, the brokenness of this world. So not giving some false promise of you'll always have, you know, nothing bad will ever happen to you. That's not what Scripture speaks about. But God is always working for our good. So Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good. For, of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. If you have trusted in Christ, if you have sought out God and received the rescue that's available in Jesus Christ, everything that happens, even the hard things, we have the promise that God will work that for good. He is using it and will work in us for Good and for his glory. Think of uh, when Rick preached through Psalm 23, uh, four or five, I think four weeks ago. We saw that in verse 6 surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And the, the word for follow there, I've mentioned before, is the word for like, it's going to pursue me. It's going to hunt me down is the actual language. So for the people who've trusted in the Lord, God's goodness will pursue us. God's goodness will always follow us because he is always good to his people. So we need to remember the goodness of God. And we need to hold on to these promises from Romans 8.28 because that does not mean we won't walk through hardships, but we remember the promises on the dark days, on the hard days. I know that God is good. I know that God is working all things together for my good and for His glory. So we hold on to those because they keep us grounded in terrifying days. And as we ponder God's goodness, let's invite others to experience it. It was never meant to be just for us to hold on to. So who is it that you and I this week could invite in to experience the goodness of God? Who in your life could you extend the invitation to taste and see that the Lord is good? Would you just come to Him and experience His goodness? That's what the the Lord desires for us. If we've experienced His grace and mercy, we should praise Him, and then we should be a people that's inviting others to experience His goodness. The third thing we see is this. The Lord who rescues will surely save His people. Looking ahead, kind of making a declaration David now says, like, that's who our God is. We can trust He's going to rescue us in the end. No matter what happens, we can know that He's going to save us. And so, verse, or chapter 34, verses 15 through 22, 
The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry for help. The face of the Lord is set against those who do what is evil to remove all memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. One who is righteous has many adversities, but the Lord rescues him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil brings death to the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord redeems the life of his servants, and all who take refuge in him will not be punished. The first section, verses 15 through 18. And actually, in both of these sections, we see the contrast of how God interacts with His people, the people who have come to Him, who have trusted in Him, and how He interacts with the wicked. Because it is not the same. The rescue is for His people. His goodness is for His people. And so, in this first section, He highlights the nearness of God to His people. Right? He says the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. He sees us. The face of the Lord is set against those who do what is evil. But the righteous cry out and the Lord hears us. He rescues them from all their trouble. The Lord is near. All of these are that God reminding us, if you are one of God's children, He is near to you in the heartaches, in the brokenness, in the hard days. God sees, He hears your cry, and He will answer you. He is always near. And some days it doesn't feel like that. We've talked about that earlier when we looked at Psalm 13. We talked about there are days where it feels like the Lord is far away, and He doesn't care, but He is always near. And He does hear us. He does care for His children. But He set against those who do evil. Verses 19 through 22, we see again the contrast between God's people and the wicked. The one who is righteous does have many adversities. That's a reminder. This does not mean, we're not talking prosperity gospel stuff that God will always just do good to you if you trust in Him. There are hard things that happen. There are adversities in this life. We have the promise of that. But God is a God who rescues us. God is a God who will save us. And He will provide, no matter how He works in our current circumstance, we do know if we've trusted in Him, He will provide the ultimate rescue from sin and death and Satan because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, right? Verses 21 and 22 kind of highlight that, looking ahead to the ultimate rescue that's going to come because of Jesus. Evil brings death to the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord redeems the life of His servants, and all who take refuge in Him will not be punished. So for the wicked, they will be punished, but for the people who've sought out the Lord, the people who have trusted in the Lord, they will not be punished. The word for punished there is the word that is really more like condemnation. So the wicked will be condemned, but 
For those who've trusted in the Lord will not be condemned. That's why in Romans 8, Paul says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? Because of what He's accomplished, we will not be condemned. Even though our sins deserve that, if we've trusted in Him, we will not face condemnation. He will surely rescue us because He is a God who rescues His people. We can be certain. Paul reminds us of that. Romans 5, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by His life? We were enemies of God. And then God rescued us out of that, saved us out of that through the death of His Son. And He's saying, you can be certain that you're going to be saved in the end. He's going to hold on to you all the way to the end. I love the way Keller writes about, Tim Keller writes about that statement from Romans. In his commentary on Romans, Tim Keller writes, this is what that verse is saying to us. And it's important for us to hold on to. First, if Jesus stayed on the cross and saved us while we were God's enemies, then how much more will He keep us saved now that we are His friends? If He was able to save us when we were hostile to Him, would He fail us now that we are His friends? Listen to this. If He didn't give up on you when you were at war with Him, what could you do that would make Him give up on you now? If He didn't give up on you when you were at war with Him, what could you do now that would make Him give up on you? And the answer is nothing. Absolutely nothing. The Lord will surely rescue His people. He will keep us saved to the end because God is a God who rescues us. He is a God who saves us. So we keep trusting in the Lord. We cling to Him because He is a God who rescues. If we have put faith in Christ, we can be certain that He will rescue us in the end. He surely will save us because He was determined to rescue us. That's who our God is. God is the Lord who rescues. He committed to rescuing His people. He committed to it at the, the greatest of cost, at the cost of His own Son. And if you are here today and you have not trusted in Jesus for salvation and for the forgiveness of sins, Scripture is clear that you do not experience and will not experience the rescue of God, the rescuing love of God that He has for His people. But you can. You can experience His rescue. You can experience it. And God desires that. That's why He sent Jesus for you. To die in your place so that if you would just trust in Him, you would be saved. 
And so if you're here today and you're thinking, I don't think I have that kind of relationship with the Lord. We want you to experience it today. We want you to leave today knowing the love of God. We urge you, as David urges people in this psalm, taste and see. Taste and see. You will be blown away at the goodness of God, I promise you. Would you come to Him? If you have questions about putting your faith in Christ, if you have questions about salvation and the forgiveness of sins, please see me after the service. Let's schedule a time to talk. Church, let's always be a people of praise. God has rescued us, right? If we've trusted in Christ, we've been rescued. So let's always be a people of praise. Let's invite others in. We all have them in our lives. Let's invite others in. Would you come to God? Would you taste and see how good my God is? You will be blown away at His goodness. Let's invite others to experience it. And let's continue to trust Him. To always rescue us. To always bring us out to the other end. From now all the way to eternity. Because that's who our God is. We have the promise that He will. Let's pray. Father, you are so good to us. We do praise you. We prepare to sing praise now for your goodness. Help us remember often the rescue that you've provided for us in Jesus Christ. Help us often praise. Help us work in us to be people that wants others to know wants others to experience your goodness and the rescue that's available. God, if there's anyone here who has not trusted in Christ, stir their hearts now and their minds to realize they need a Savior and you've provided one. Give them the courage to ask questions about that and how they can receive the salvation that's available. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.